Hi, it's the Ahi Flower Channel here. Regenerative Omegas for Regenerative Planet. I'm Andrew Hebard, and I'm here with Joe Dugdale of Craythorn Farms in North Yorkshire in the UK. Welcome, Joe. Morning, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us today. You are our first farmer guest, and more importantly, you're our first Ahi Flower grower. So thanks so much for joining us today. Really keen to hear what your thoughts are and learnings are about ahi flower. So um, ahi flower is a, is a crop that you've been growing for us. Uh, is this your first year or second year? So we've done uh, one harvest and we have our second crop in the ground. Excellent. And and so tell us how you found it and, and, and why, why grow ahi flower? You've got a lot of different choices on that in God's country up there in Yorkshire. Um, so we've been on the lookout for a break crop uh, that fits into our six-year rotation um, and helps us avoid growing two cereal crops in a row. Uh, and the reason I want to avoid growing two cereal crops in a row is because I think the yellow straw crops alter the balance of carbon to nitrogen in the soil. Uh and too many yellow straw crops add too much carbon. And so I want to find break crops that allow us a break from those yellow straw crops. Um, and there's always barriers, you know, too many brassicas, uh, disease buildups, beans uh, are a great break, but not particularly profitable. Um, and so I went to one of Simon Meekin's Ahi Flower Open Days and uh, very quickly became convinced that it was something we ought to be trying. That's great. So, and do you think, so you had your first harvest in, in earlier this year, 2022, and you've, you've planted a, a crop now. Um, you know, one of the questions we get asked a lot about our customers, from our customers is, how scalable is ahi flower? If you go from, you know, a few thousand hectares today to 10,000 to 100,000, that sort of thing, if the demand increases to that extent, which we think it will, as it starts to, you know, uh, replace fish oil as a sustainable omega source. Do you think that's realistic that new growers like yourself are going to look at it and fit it into their rotations? Yeah, um, I do because on top of getting away from too many yellow straw crops, it ticks many other boxes for us as well, particularly where we are geographically. Um, so we are able to harvest ahi flower um, before we used to even think about getting the combine dusted off ready for harvest, uh, which up north is absolutely essential um, to allow, allow us good entry into cereal crops. Uh, with regenerative agriculture or certainly non-inversion tillage, what we're finding is um, that certain grass weeds are, are getting more and more testing. Uh, and again, growing a non-cereal crop allows us to um, improve our brome control, particularly. Uh, brome is our major grass weed problem up here. Uh, and to give any black grass areas uh, another good good knock before going back into a cereal right um the other thing we've really liked about it uh and again going back to the early harvest 
uh, is that it allow, allows us to grow um, what we call a crap catch crop. Uh, and that is uh, really a cover crop, so a mix of, um, I think we used six species this last time, uh, that we put in in between harvesting the ahi flower and planting the wheat. Uh, and again, I think because our harvests are that bit later up north, we find that cover crops really do not perform well. Uh, you know, they don't really start growing <coughs> particularly quickly. And then we have the problem of um, uh, terminating the cover crop and planting a spring crop, which often are not particularly profitable in the spring. Uh, I think we grow more biomass in that 10 week or eight week period between ahi flower harvest and wheat drilling than we would uh, through the six, seven month period of a, of a cover crop. You know, that, that is fascinating. I never, I never knew that. I, uh, I knew that some people obviously followed their, their crop with, with catch crops or cover crops, but I didn't know that you were planting um, in such a sort of tight window from growing, um, uh, harvesting ahi flower planting a crop and then getting an autumn sown wheat crop in. Now that, that to my mind is the perfect model for regenerative agriculture. And you mentioned regenerative agriculture and you're, you're doing that to have ground cover, uh, I guess, mm -hmm. habitat also for pollinators. What's, what's your sort of the, the motivation behind putting that in? Cause that's not an easy process to do actually, you know, to, to, to establish a new crop and then till it in. Yeah, so those uh, things you mentioned, um, pollinators, uh, in that period between sort of early July and mid-September, there is a huge amount of insect activity, and we want to provide them a habitat to flourish. Uh, selfishly, that's not just because we like seeing insects, because we want to encourage beneficials on the farm. Um we haven't used insecticides here for six years now. Um, and fascinatingly, uh, the wheat harvest after a catch crop, we find the, the wheat, uh, when we bring it into the grain dryer, is alive with insects. And that's a year after we've grown that catch crop. Right. Um, insects that are detrimental to the wheat crop? No. Beneficial. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is obviously, uh, again, going back to the, the, the time of year that it is, uh, there are a huge amount of sunlight hours between the beginning of July and mid-September. And that's really when we want to be harvesting the sun's energy through photosynthesis. Uh, so we want to get a crop, uh, a catch crop in the ground, growing quickly and harvesting energy and putting that back into the ground for the following cash crop. You know, this is, this is fascinating, Joe. This is, this is, I'm so glad you're sharing this with us because this is an aspect of agriculture that not a lot of people see. And, you know, our, our model is soil to oil, uh, you know, doing that whole supply chain regeneratively. And you and, and our grower base are the first link in that supply chain. And to know that you are so focused on 
good good agricultural stewardship, regenerative practices, um, and really acting as a custodian. You're, you're the custodian of our environment, really, as it comes to, um, in, yeah, we're so aware now of the sensitivity of climate and how the climate is changing and that sort of thing. Those practices are, must be having quite a big effect, not just uh, at, a, at a sort of you know planetary level, but also on your own farm and your own business, which seems like a real win-win situation. Yeah, um, it doesn't happen overnight. We we certainly have challenging moments. Um, you know, I think it takes a long time for the soil to adapt uh, from a heavy tillage regime to a um, no-till or reduced-till regime. Um, but certainly using plants to help you with adapting uh, is, I think, is the right way to do it. Bare soil, for us, we try and avoid as much as we possibly can. And you um, said in our chat earlier, you were saying that you integrate livestock into your rotation as well. You, you're you're a, dairy, a dairy producer as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're on clay soils here. Um, so integrating livestock comes with its challenges. But we feel that we use a lot of imported manures um, to help try and feed the soil biota as much as we can. But we think nothing beats actually hooves on the ground. Um, it's difficult to get the livestock around the entire arable enterprise, but uh, what we find is the crops that we grow after livestock being in there really require very little artificial input. Right. Oh, great. What, what, a, what a great model. So um, before the, 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 uh, we started our chat here, we were mentioning about uh, you're located in North Yorkshire and yep. uh, for, for many of our viewers uh, in the UK, I'm guessing something like 20 miles south and east of you is the fishing port of Whitby. Would that be about right? Yeah, yeah that's about right. So, so as we think about regenerative health, regenerative agriculture, um, you know, Whitby was recognised as one of the global leading fisheries uh, as much as a century ago for the North Sea herring population. And, um, yeah. you know, that, that now basically, I don't know if there are many herrings living in the North Sea now. And um, a large part of that sort of reduction population was as a result of uh, the extraction industry taking fish out of the ocean for omega-3 oils. So here's a regenerative grower growing a crop in uh, close proximity to what was a, one of the leading fish, fish oil industries uh, to replace the fish oil industry. I think it's a really, really great model. And uh, not to just be thinking about a regenerative ingredient, regenerative health, but to do that with regenerative agriculture uh, is a tremendous story. And that was that was another thing that uh, attracted us to growing ahi flour was you know, here you guys are pioneering um, alternatives to an industry that I'm afraid, uh, like many things, humans have abused and overused. Uh, and I think it's probably for you gone from being an idea to actually something that really can make a difference now. Yeah, yeah. We, the, the, it's uh, it's what motivates us. You know, we're seeing we're seeing really good benefit health and wellness benefits uh 
across many spectrum, um, genuine improvements. We're seeing people that are uh, pleased to take something that they know is good for their health that doesn't come from the oceans or isn't a depletive uh, ingredient and doesn't taste awful. Um, and also we're seeing that, uh, although it's a small area uh, on, in global agriculture, to partner with growers like yourself that are so focused on really good husbandry practices, stewardship practices, it, it just makes us feel really proud to be part of this industry. So uh, really, really appreciate you supporting us, Joe, and growing ahi flower for us. Um, and I hope your second harvest is better than your first one and your third one is better than your second one and uh, that we see continuous improvement by working together in the next few years. Well, I've been badgering your colleague to increase our area, so I'm hoping I'll be able to do that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Simon Simon is the guy and he's the right guy to badger. So uh, all the time that our demand goes up, then rest assured we'll be working with you to increase production. Brilliant. And uh, thank you for having me on. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Joe.